If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. And we're going to continue our series that we started last week with our theme for this year of disciple. Uh, Every follower of Jesus, every person that has uh, accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior is a disciple of Jesus. We are called to be disciples of Jesus. And we learned last week what that means and what that really calls for us to be and to do. And we want to continue uh, this thought of disciples uh, in studying Ephesians chapter number six. And if you've grown up in church or if you've been in church for quite some time, this is probably a familiar passage to you. It might not be something that you've never read or heard before, but this morning I want to look at it in a a unique uh, perspective and and hopefully be able to apply it into our lives so that we might uh, use the tools that God has given us so that we might stand as disciples, so that we might live a life that is different, a life that pleases and honors our God. And so... Ephesians chapter 6 is where we'll be studying. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to be reading from verse number 10 down to verse number 18. But before I I read this passage, I just want to remind you that this is the Apostle Paul that is writing this letter. He's writing to Christians in the city of Ephesus. It was a, a, a city that was known very much for its idolatry. It was a city that was known for uh, its immoral practices and its pagan beliefs. And so when Paul is writing this letter at the very end, he is challenging the Christians of Ephesus to stand. And, um, and you'll notice that as he writes and he and exhorts them, encourages them to stand, that he does so by giving them and letting them know what the tools that God has given them to have and to use in their stand for him. So notice what he writes in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Do you know that from the moment a person becomes a disciple of Jesus, They are in a battle, a spiritual battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
The moment that you decided, I want to be a follower of Jesus, I believe the message of Jesus and the person of Jesus, you were thrust immediately into a battle, into a spiritual lifelong battle. Therefore, every disciple of Jesus is giving tools and weapons to fight and stand firm in their Christian life. Now, as disciples, it is up to us to apply them in all areas of our life and to live in victory as a result. Now, let me just say, though that is a reality and though that is a great truth, I have found that not all disciples understand and realize the victory that's been given to them. Not all followers of Jesus are living a victorious life. Many of them kind of remind me of um, something I've seen uh, over my life, and that is, uh, have you ever seen two dogs, uh, maybe a small dog and a big dog, and maybe they grew up together, and, um, and uh, the, the smaller dog might be older, and, uh, and so when uh, the bigger dog was a puppy, he was around that, uh, that smaller dog more, and that smaller dog has begun to uh, dominate, because it was a puppy, dominate that, that, that dog early on. And then uh, two or three years later, that dog now is about three times the size of that little, you know, poodle or that little, uh, uh, that little smaller dog. But I have seen, and maybe you've noticed, that even though that dog is bigger, whether it be like, you know, a bulldog or something uh, of, a, of a bigger breed, a German Shepherd, sometimes that small dog still can dominate and boss the bigger dog around. Have you noticed that? Have you ever seen that? Uh, perhaps at, at, at somebody that has dogs like that. And, and it's, it's always curious to me because I'm always thinking like, do you know how big you are? Like, I mean, that's a dachshund. It's, it's a walking hot dog. You can eat it. Seriously. <laughs> right? And, and, and you, you kind of just wonder, I, I wonder if they, has he never seen himself in the mirror? Does he not know how much he weighs, how, how strong, how big his mouth is? I mean, why are you letting this little shrimpy dog boss you around? How is that even possible? You know, many times in the Christian life, I've seen Christians living like that big dog. They've been given all the tools and all the strength that they need to live victorious, and yet they're, they're letting this smaller dog that's weaker boss them around and, 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 and tell them what to do. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is encouraging the Christians to, to live out who they really are. He's, he's trying to highlight to them that there is a stand to be taken by disciples, and that stand comes with tools and weapons to do so. The victory has been given, but yet we have to live in that victory. Now, you might be asking this morning, well, what are those tools? Uh, what, what are uh, the weapons that have been given to us, and, and, and how are they applied into our lives? Well, in our study this morning, we're going to find that every one of these tools are not an item to be obtained, but rather they're the person of Christ and the Holy Spirit that is living within us, that is empowering us. Sometimes we read the passage like Ephesians chapter 6, and we say, well, we got to put on the whole armor of God. So there's these six things I got I to gotta put on, I got to obtain, I got to get. And, and yes, there are distinct six items there that the Apostle Paul lists. But I want to 
just from the outright get in our minds that what he's listing aren't things, but names of Jesus, the person of Jesus. And so when, when we are putting on the whole armor of God, what we're really putting on is the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I didn't put it in your notes, but go to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter number 13 and verse number 14. Romans chapter 13 and verse number 14, because uh, in Romans chapter 13, Paul says in seven words what he says or lists in seven things, you could say in Ephesians chapter 6. Look at Romans chapter 13 and verse number 14. It says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 6, he says, put on the whole armor of God. I want to submit to you this morning that he's saying the same thing in both passages. The armor of God is the Lord Jesus Christ working in our life. And so this morning, what I want to share with you, this is going to be a two-part message. We're not going to go through all of them this morning, but I want to give you at least the first three tools that are given to us as disciples to stand and be victorious in our Christian life. So if you have your Bibles, notice in verse number 14 as the first uh, the first tool or weapon is given to us. He says in verse 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. He's talking about the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, I want you to notice that this tool is called the belt of truth. It's one of the greatest uh, threats that we, that we face in our spiritual lives uh, is deceitful lies. In our spiritual life, what we're going to be battling a lot of are lies in this world. Deceitful lies that the world wants to tell us, that the devil wants to tell us, that even our own flesh wants us to believe. And these lies threaten to steal our zeal, our fervor, and our love for God. Now, the only way to defeat lies is with the truth. The only way to overcome a lying thought in our minds or in our lives is by applying and understanding what the truth is. And I want you to notice that it says the, the belt of truth, the belt of truth. Now, truth strengthens us as disciples. The truth strengthens us as disciples. Now, you might be thinking, what truth do I need to know to, to be strengthened? What, what's the, 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 that, that one truth that I need to know to be victorious in my life? Well, the one truth that must be remembered in your life is that Jesus Christ is the truth. In fact, in John 14, 6, he told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is our truth. He is the truth that we are to hold on to for strength in the battle. Now, because he is our strength, we can be faithful and consistent in our daily walk. Because he is that truth, that allows us to be faithful in our walk with God. Because every day we need new strength. I don't know if you've, you've noticed this, but I, as I get older, and some that are older than me here this morning can attest to this, as I get older, I find it's getting harder and harder to get out of bed. 
Right now, I'm only 40, okay? I'm not acting like I'm 85 or 95 or 105. I know, I know that as you get older, you're going to have less and less strength, but, but I have found that every day I need strength to get out of bed. And, and the day that comes where I'm injured or something happens to me physically, I may stay in bed and not be able to get out of bed because of one thing, I'm lacking strength. Now, in the spiritual battle that we have as disciples, as followers of Jesus, we're going to need strength every day. If we're going to maintain our faithfulness to God, we're going to need his strength every day. If we're going to be strengthened every day, then we need to be uh, uh, wearing the belt of truth. We need to have truth wrapped around us. Now, Lies will try to obscure Jesus and lead us to forget our need for him. For instance, there's a lie that many times as Christians we believe in and we kind of live after, and that is trying to live the Christian life in our own strength. That, that, that's why we try to break down the Christian life into a bunch of rules, right? And then we try to tell ourselves, well, uh, the, the, the Christian uh, life I know, I know the Bible talks about uh, forgiving, and, and I, I can forgive, I've forgiven, and, and it talks about giving, and I gave in the offering, and uh, uh, it, it, let me see, what else does it talk about? It talks about reading the Bible, I read my Bible this morning, okay, so, and we try to break it down to these rules so that we can live it on our own. Can I say that it is impossible to live victorious as a Christian without truth? the truth of Jesus in our life, giving us strength. Oh, you can, you can read your Bible day after day, but you can get nothing out of it too by doing that. Yeah, you, you, can, you can give anytime the offering plate is, is passed around, but you can love very little in doing it. You see, unless we have Jesus uh, that is filling us with truth and giving us strength, it's impossible to consistently be faithful every day following Jesus. We can sometimes teach a Sunday school class within our own power. We can be an usher with our own power and just kind of look and see and not even one time pray, God, would you help me be a good usher in the service this morning? Uh, we, can, uh, we can be in the nursery, or we can sing in the, in the uh, worship team and never once ask God, God, would you help me and empower me and strengthen me with truth today? Sometimes we lie to ourselves and we think that we could have God's power by doing. If I just do this, I'll have God's power, but the Bible doesn't teach that God's power comes on doing something. God's power comes on relying on someone, being covered by someone, and that someone is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the truth of Jesus that strengthens us and empowers us. It is vital, vital that we understand the belt of truth is to be worn every day in our life. Now, I, I want us to notice something about the belt of truth. The belt of truth comes right here around your waist. In the King James Version, it says, gird about your loins. Your loins are right here. Do you know that your loins, your, your waist that, that encompasses not only your front here, your abs, but also your back is the most powerful part of the human body? 
Did you know that if you're going to move something heavy, like a heavy desk or even trying to move a piano, that you're going to have to have your loins strengthened? They say that if you're going to pick up something heavy, you've got to keep your, your back straight and, and get your legs down low and then and lift with your legs and, and all of this tenses up, right? Your, your whole back and your whole uh, uh, core right here gets engaged when you're living, lifting something heavy. It's, it's where a lot of your strength comes from, if not all your strength. In fact, uh, you can have the strongest arms. You can, you can probably uh, start uh, lifting like uh, 75 or 80 pounds and, and doing curls and doing all of that. But if your back and your waist here, your, your core is not working, it doesn't matter how strong your arms are, you're not moving anything heavy. All, all that strength is right here. Listen, that is not by accident that the Apostle Paul says truth ought to be right here because of what truth does. It strengthens us. It strengthens us. It is vital for us as disciples of Christ to apply Jesus as our truth so that we might be strengthened in our Christian journey. Look what John chapter 15, I put it in your notes, verse 15 says. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, notice that last uh, phrase, for without me, ye can do nothing. Jesus must be applied as the truth of our life so that we might be strengthened to continue. So that we might defeat the lies of the devil that says you don't need him for everything. Notice secondly, not only does truth strengthen us, truth emboldens us. When we apply Jesus as our truth in life, we not only are strengthened to continue faithfully serving and living for him, but we are emboldened to do more for him. You see, truth is stronger than a lie. So truth will always defeat lies. That's why when truth is on your side, you don't fear any lie, do you? If you're in a situation and someone's lying about you stealing something, you don't fear that lie because you know the truth. You don't get discouraged by that lie. You know the truth. And because of, uh, of knowing that truth and believing that truth, it emboldens you to say, that's a lie. I don't do that. I didn't go there. I didn't say that. Why? Because I know the truth of the matter. Uh, that, that's why we can go against what the philosophy of this world teaches. The, the philosophy of this world teaches, oh, well, he who dies with the most toys wins. Uh, the Bible doesn't say that. Truth doesn't say that. And so we can battle that lie with the truth. And it emboldens us to share that truth with others. And we can say, listen, I can see in your life you're, you're trying to, to get happy by, by buying more things and having more things, but you'll never find lasting happiness in that. Oh, sure, there is joy for a season in sin, but there's not eternal joy. There's not everlasting happiness. That's only found in the truth who is Jesus Christ. Suddenly, with the truth, we are emboldened to share more. The devil will constantly lie to us about priorities, about people, about joy and happiness. The only way to combat that the only way to, to stand against a lie is with the truth. 
Truth will give us power to continue in spite of trials and tribulations. I believe that's why the disciples were able to reach their world in that first century. Though they experienced persecution, though they experienced times where they were going to spend the night in jail, where they were going to be reprimanded by the local governments, though, though they were facing persecution and tribulations, they were, they were able to stand. Why? Because they had put on Jesus Christ and his truth. And with it, they were strengthened. I don't have time, but in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, Man, I was, I was beaten uh, three different occasions, 39 times on my back with stripes. He said, I've been in countless prisons, and I've been shipwrecked, and I've been, uh, I've been hungry, and I've been thirsty, and I've gone through all kinds of difficulties, but I can still move forward. What emboldened Paul to live that way? Because he wore the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. He put on the Lord Jesus Christ as the truth of his life. We see the disciples do that. And in the book of Acts, we, we read this. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 31. It says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. What gave them the boldness? Truth. Truth. That's why Paul says, use the belt of truth. Truth is what's going to strengthen you. Truth is what's going to embolden you. We don't have to be ashamed of what we believe. We don't have to be ashamed of what the Bible teaches because it's the truth. Every disciple of Jesus ought to put on the Lord Jesus Christ as the truth of your life. Secondly, we find the breastplate of righteousness. Notice the second part of verse 14. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. As disciples, we are to live a separated and holy life. And here again, Jesus is said to be our righteousness. In fact, the Bible teaches that he made us righteous by his blood and he continues to be our righteousness all throughout our Christian life. We are made righteous by his sacrifice on the cross and, and he has justified us and redeemed us. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, he made us to be righteous by taking on our sin. For he was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. Many disciples know and believe that Jesus became sin for us so that we might be made righteous. But that's our position. Before God, right now, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are guiltless before God. You have no longer condemnation over you. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so now we have been made righteous, and that is before God who we are. But listen, if we are righteous before God in our position, we ought to maintain righteousness in our practice as well. In other words, we ought to live who we are. You see, righteousness makes our position our practice. Our position means something. 
To say that we have been made holy and separated unto God ought to mean something. It ought to mean that we're different from those things that have not been separated unto God. From those things that are unrighteous. You see, when God saved us and made us righteous, he gave us his righteousness for more than just changing our standing. He wants to change our living too. Righteousness in our life takes us to something or to making decisions that are holy and godly. Righteousness ought to lead you in your life to make decisions that are holy and godly. Notice what Romans chapter 12, put it in your notes, verse 1 and 2 say. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The Apostle Paul is just simply saying we ought to be different. Righteousness makes us different. And because we are different, we ought to live differently. How we talk ought to be different. What we desire ought to be different. Our purpose of life ought to be different. Righteousness changed our standing before God so that when he sees us, he does not see the wretched sinner who cursed and disobeyed him, but rather he sees the righteous blood of Jesus that has covered and has redeemed and made us a child of God. But our standing before God should reflect our state here on earth. That's why it's so important to understand righteousness. When we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, the tool that has been given to us, the Lord himself is our righteousness. Why? So that we can practice righteousness. The strength that he gives us as the truth is what we live out through his righteousness. Now, righteousness keeps the heart protected. I want you to notice that righteousness is the breastplate that we wear. Truth is what strengthened us, uh, strengthens us. It's, it goes around our waist. It goes around our loins. It goes around the core of our body. But the breastplate is protecting something. What is it protecting? It's protecting the heart. Now, what is the heart, you may ask? The heart is the seat of our affections. It's interesting in almost every language that you'll find when you are in love that you'll talk about the heart. You'll, you'll notice that a, a husband that loves his wife won't say, oh, my sweet, sweet mind. Oh, my sweet, sweet maid. We say, oh, my sweet, sweet heart. It's there in the heart where our affections are, are made known. That, that's why in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, the author writes, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Can I say that it is the heart that begins to be attacked when righteousness is lacking in our practice? 
when we begin to make wrong choices, when we begin to stray away and all we like sheep have gone astray, and in that straying away from God's path, from God's leading, the first thing that begins to waver and fade is our heart for God. In Revelation chapter 2, the angel says to the church at Ephesus, you've left your first love. Man, you're, you're doing all these things, but there's no heart. They, they had dropped that breastplate of righteousness. And we see that the heart begins to be attacked when we are not putting on Jesus as our righteousness. We stop living separated godly lives and our hearts begin to move from the affections for God that we once had. Suddenly we find ourselves comfortable with the world and with the flesh. We begin to believe the world's lies and the false promises of happiness and joy. We begin to live for those things which are temporary and worldly and the here and now begins to look like what's real. The things eternal seem so far away. Why is that? Because we haven't guarded our heart with righteousness. You see, Jesus must have the throne of our affections if we're to avoid worldliness and lies. If we're going to live life righteously as God has intended us to live, then we must make Jesus our all, our greatest love. Whenever you feel like Church isn't as fun, as exciting as it used to be, then it's probably because you're put down your breastplate of righteousness and your heart's being attacked and you need to put that back up and put Jesus back as the, the love of your life. If you start feeling like Bible reading and prayer has just become too boring and tiring, then maybe you need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ again because your heart's being attacked. If you find that serving and loving becomes unpleasant and sorrowful, then you need to go back to Jesus and, and find in Him the affection that you once had. Do you know, when you love Jesus, it's not hard to live righteously. Hey, listen, I, I have found that the more that I love Jesus, the more I can lo love my wife the way I ought to. The more I, I love Jesus, the more that I can serve my family and my children the way I ought to. The, the more that I can lead them in truth. The more that I love Jesus, the easier it has been to forgive others that have wronged me. That's why it's so important, the Apostle Paul said, putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, he has made you righteous. He has taken the penalty of your sin. But let me tell you something. He's also taken away the power of sin in your life. And you can live righteously if you're willing to wear that breastplate of righteousness. The Bible says that Jesus is our righteousness. It's that righteousness that will stir our hearts to feel purpose again. It's that righteousness that will stir our hearts towards the eternal riches of God's grace. It is that righteousness that will stir our hearts to joy and happiness and living after God and loving God and walking with God. Righteousness. The Apostle Paul says, listen, you ought to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ victoriously. How are you going to do that? Well, God's given you the tools to do it. He's given you a belt of truth to strengthen and embolden you. 
And if you just wear the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, people will know that you are walking in truth. The Apostle John said, I have no greater joy than this to see that my children walk in truth. They walk in light. Jesus said, as he prayed for the disciples, sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. The Apostle Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And guard your heart. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 1, you can see what the Apostle Paul says. He says, if ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above. If then really you are wearing the Lord Jesus Christ as your righteousness, then what you are seeking isn't here on this earth. You know, when we have that kind of mindset, giving seems a whole lot easier. And helping others seems a whole lot easier. If. If. Why Proverbs says, guard your heart. How do I guard it? With righteousness. Notice the last tool, and that is verse number 15, the shoes of peace. It says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I'm not sure of any greater message and reality that our world longs for than for peace. Every country, language, and people speak about peace. Every government around the world, whether it is a communist government or a capitalist government or or a socialist government, they all want to talk about peace. China says they have peace, and Russia says they have peace, and America says it has peace, and Mexico says it has peace, and everybody is longing and giving the message of peace. Yet it seems like peace avoids every country, language, and people. Why? Because there is no peace without the Prince of Peace. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Or as he says in Ephesians, and shod your feet, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now the Bible talks about two kinds of of peace. I've mentioned one already in Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. And notice what it says, if you would, you can turn there quickly. Romans chapter 5, in verse number 1, I didn't put it there in your notes, but if you turn there, Romans 5, 1, it says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The first peace that the Bible talks about is peace with God. Peace with God. This is the first peace that every disciple is given when they begin to follow Jesus. Is the peace with God. You see, in our sin, we are enemies of God. And as enemies, we are to be punished by God. The Bible says the wages, the payment of sin is death. In Revelation, the Bible says that the death on earth is not our final death, there is a second death. A death of being eternally separated from God in a lake of fire. That's why it's so important and it's incumbent upon every person to have peace with God. But I submit to you that in Ephesians chapter 6, 
Paul's not talking about the peace with God. You see, there's a second kind of peace. And if you go to Philippians chapter number four, you'll find this peace. I believe it's there in your notes, Philippians 4 and verse number 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The second peace is the peace of God in our life. This is the disciples' peace. And notice that this peace is a peace that is experienced daily. It's interesting that Paul writes by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Why the feet? Well, simply, what do we do with our feet? We walk. Every day, if your feet are functioning correctly, then you're able to walk or run or move in, uh, in your life. Now, peace is something that is experienced in our daily walk with Christ as disciples. Now, this is important because the opposite of peace is worry. Now, anxiety and worry have taken hold of many in our world today. In fact, doctors and medical fields have found that worry can affect even our physical health in major ways. In fact, I wrote down a little bit of the list that I found on Google. For instance, they have found that excessive worry leads to insomnia, chest pain, muscle aches, digestive problems, nausea, dizziness, high blood pressure, weight gain, headaches, shaking, heart disease, sweating, memory loss, fatigue, depression, anxiety, irrational fears, irritability, and so much more. I just wrote down that. And now as a Christian, how can I avoid some of that? Is it simply by just taking medicine? No, listen, medicine, it can help if you're battling anxiety. Listen, and the doctor recommends some, some sort of medicine. You ought to take that medication. But let me say, as you're taking that medication, also find peace through the Prince of Peace. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is our peace. And as we walk with him daily in his word, as we spend time with him in prayer, as we meditate on and believe his promises, then we can live in peace day after day after day. This doesn't mean that you won't have to fight and battle worry and anxiety in your life. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that you can overcome worry and anxiety in your life by looking to the Prince of Peace, by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our peace. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6 says, a title or a name of Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I heard a preacher say that if we could just stand next to Jesus and see the future as he sees it, then we wouldn't worry at all. We would, we'd be able to see the valleys and the mountain peaks. And we'd be able to see the trials and we'd be able to see the victories. And if we could just see the future from the way and perspective that he sees it, we probably wouldn't worry at all in this life. The sad reality is, is that we cannot see what Jesus sees. We don't know the future like he knows the future. But we can hear his words. And we can believe his promises. 
You see, that, that'll get you through the times of anxiety and depression, not, not having to see what he sees, just believing what he says. It's amazing that in Philippians 4, 7, it says, The peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts, but notice this, and minds. Our hearts sometimes are at peace because we have that peace and the presence of God in certain situations. Maybe, maybe a loved one passes away and we would, we would probably say if we're walking with Christ, man, there's a peace that I feel right now. Even though I'm in the depth of sorrow and though I'm still mourning for the loved one, there's a peace that I can't really explain. I don't know how to describe it, but it's there. And we find that Paul says, but there's also a peace of mind. One that can put to rest those thoughts of worry. You say, how? How do I get this peace? How do I practice it and experience it daily in my life? Well, peace is obtained through prayer. Through prayer. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The importance of prayer cannot be overstated when it comes to peace in our life. It is during prayer that we can unload our burdens and our worries and our fears to the Lord. It is in prayer that the still, small voice of His Holy Spirit is felt and it brings comfort and stillness in our lives in that time of prayer. That's why Jesus said, uh, when it's time to pray, get in, in the closet. Don't do as the Pharisees, praying loudly so everybody can say it's hard to hear the still small voice when you're just in the streets and only praying in public so people can see. But how about that time alone with God? That time where you cast your burdens upon Him and feel His care for you. Can I ask you this morning, are you in need of peace? Are you in need of having the Prince of Peace fill your heart and your mind? And put on the Lord Jesus Christ. For he is our peace. And I say that this morning we have seen Jesus as the belt of truth. And the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of peace. My question is, what is it that you need to apply today in your life? What's stopping you today from living victoriously in Christ? Are the lies of this world choking the truth out of your life? Are they weakening your strength because you're beginning to believe the lies of this world? Living after the philosophy of this world? Then put on the Lord Jesus Christ as your truth. He will strengthen you. And He will embolden you. Or perhaps this morning... You're lacking the breastplate of righteousness. You're making decisions that are not pleasing to God and you're living a life that is not separated from this world and you're beginning to see that your love for Jesus isn't what it used to be. There was a lot more affection two, three years ago, but it's no longer there. And I say, put on the Lord Jesus Christ as your righteousness. Give him the throne of your heart today. And find in him 
Find in Him the, the strength, the ability, and the love for Him that you once had. Or perhaps you're battling with worry and fear. You're afraid of an uncertain future. And you're not experiencing peace in your life. And I would say, put on the Lord Jesus Christ as the Prince of Peace. Let Him, let Him cover you with His presence. I love what Psalm chapter 91, verse number 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my strength. You can find in him the peace that your heart longs for. If you'll just simply put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Or perhaps this morning you're here and you've never made a decision to become a disciple of Jesus. It might be that you've not experienced peace because you don't know the man of truth. You don't know what Jesus has done for you, you've never placed your faith in him. Can I tell you what Jesus said? He said, come unto me all ye that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He said, whosoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He that believeth on the Son hath not condemnation. But he that believeth hath life everlasting Maybe that's the decision you need to make this morning. So you just need to become a believer, a disciple of Jesus. Man, I'm going to ask if you would to stand at your feet this morning. And as we bow our heads in prayer, and as the piano begins to play, I want to challenge us and I want to invite you. What is it the Lord spoke to you about this morning? Maybe it is about truth and the lack of strength you've been feeling lately. Or perhaps it is the fact that your love isn't what it used to be. Perhaps you have allowed fear and afraidness to come and take over your life. And this morning is an opportunity to respond and to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this morning as we hear your still small voice in our hearts, as we allow our minds to meditate upon the truth of who Jesus is for us, oh, may we respond in obedience and in faith. As the piano continues to play, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I do want to open the altar this morning. If, if maybe there's a decision that you're making and you're saying, I just, I just need to come to the altar and, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to do just that. Or perhaps this morning you're wanting to make a decision about accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I'm going to have some counselors up here this morning, two godly deacons of our church that would love to show you how you can know Jesus as your personal Savior. I'm going to let the piano just uh, play and, and I'm going to uh, give you just some time. 
If the Lord has spoken to your heart, the altar is open. Come forward. Come forward. this morning we've been reminded of the truth of who you really are Father I pray that you would never allow us to accept in our minds that the Christian life is some to-do list to get done some task to accomplish help us to realize this morning it's a life to be lived ever-growing relationship with you. Help us to see the Lord Jesus Christ as he who is our truth and our righteousness and our peace. Help us to put on the Lord every day. Help us to live differently and be differently as a result of your power and your grace. Be with us this morning. Speak to our hearts. May your Holy Spirit fill our lives to live according to your truth. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.